Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, greeting you from our studio in Harlem, USA, New York City, planet Earth, and uh, our solar system. Hope everything's having a great day. It is Wednesday, March 18th, 2015, and uh, it's supposed to be springtime here in the Northeast, but, uh, you know, it looked like it a couple of days ago, and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of days ago, I, you know, saw a People running, no shirts on, uh, you know, everybody was out on their bicycle and everything, and now it got cold again, and it's supposed to stay cold for about another week or so. So we're marching towards springtime, and springtime is actually, uh, I believe it begins tomorrow or uh, Friday. So uh, fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. We've got a great show this evening. Our special guest is Laura Berman Fortang, Fort Gang, rather, I'm sorry, and uh, her Book. She's got a number of books, but the book we're going to talk about tonight is called Now What? Know Who You Are, Get What You Want, 90 Days to a New Life Direction. And uh, Laura is one of the uh, originators of the whole uh, life coach profession, if you will. Uh, this book came out 10 years ago. It's an updated version. It's got QR codes and that lead you to videos and lots of other stuff. It's really terrific. And uh, Laura is very accomplished, and I really look forward to bringing her on in a few moments. So uh, that's that's our big guest for tonight. Um, let's see what's going on. So in the world of guys, guys, well, uh, yesterday was St. Patty's Day, and uh, I was I was uh, in the city, but I didn't get into, I just briefly was in Midtown, and then I had to come uptown again. But um, normally it is just a drunk fest on St. Patty's Day. Uh, apparently they, they sell over a billion dollars worth of uh, business in the pubs, uh, throughout the country on St. Patrick's Day. It's like the biggest drinking day of the year. And hope everybody was safe. Uh, I've seen some and been part of some disastrous behavior on St. Patrick's Day. And uh, it's supposed to be a lot of fun, but for some reason, you know, uh, youngsters get on the train and start pounding Budweiser's on the, and Guinness on the way into the city. And uh, by the time everybody gets to the parade, they're half in the bag. So, it's just uh, it's a shame that uh, such a fun holiday has to turn so so ugly sometimes. But, you know, that's the way it is. People need to let off steam somehow. And uh, unfortunately, with the millennial generation, a lot of it is through binging, whether it's binge watching TV or binge drinking. It just seems like part of the behavior of a new new generation. So anyhow, hope everybody made it through okay. Uh, again, spring is in, uh, it's either tomorrow or Friday, uh, and uh, and we're hoping for a change in weather because we've actually got baseball coming in New York City in about two and a half weeks. So let's let's hope that we start to get the, the best right there. Um, what else is happening? Well, you know, in the world of politics and uh, you read, I, you know, read up on the uh, news weeklies that are, and the news dailies that are online and uh, they're already kind of throwing mud at each other, the Democrats and Republicans, and 
you know, to me, it's just so it's it's going to be Hillary Clinton against Jeb Bush, and there'll probably be some dark horse in there to create some excitement. But uh, it's just a joke. They're trying to find you know this thing with Hillary and her emails, and you know, obviously she made a mistake and of judgment, but you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. But you know, technically she was wrong. And then uh, you've got Jeb Jeb Bush trying to kind of serpentine his way through the craziness of the current Republican Party right now to see if he can get a nomination. Then you have a Bush and a Clinton. So what else is new? But uh, that's what we're dealing with. So frankly, I don't I don't uh, I don't watch too much of the the news anymore. I just like to check in, and get the headlines and stuff. But that's it because it's mostly bad news and a showcase for bad human behavior and 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 fear fear upon the consumer. And I find uh, that, at least for myself, that I do much better when I kind of uh, deal with my own world, my own issues, keep abreast of some of the big stories, but uh, not get myself bogged down with uh, media-infused media uh, fear, because that seems to be the uh, the way uh, we're being manipulated these days. But, uh, you know, I guess maybe that's just my opinion. Anyhow, um, what else is happening? Well, you know, the whole guy's guy thing, people think it's about men specifically, but it's really not. It's about when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And it all came out of my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And uh, it is a novel, and some people thought it was a nonfiction book and a dating guide or whatever. And we started the show a couple of years ago doing everything about dating. And now we've kind of broadened it to uh, really be about uh, when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And uh, we like to say better men, better world. So any way we can help men be at their best and and make sure that men recognize the long overdue recognition of all the strides that women are making and realize that there's never been a better time to be a guy uh, and help them through that, that's what really this brand and our mission is all about. So again, the name of the novel is The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. I think it's on sale on Amazon right now. I saw the physical copy for like $10 and change and you can get the... uh, the the uh, Kindle version for like three forty nine something like that. So uh, check it out. Uh, it's got fantastic views and it's a lot of fun and it is a, it is about something. Uh, also, you can catch up with me on Facebook. My handle is Robert Manny Author. You can just hit me up if you want to friend me at Robert Manny, my separate account. Uh, Twitter at Robert Manny. YouTube where we've got some videos. Robert Manny Author and all of our uh, Blog Talk Radio guys guys radio podcasts are housed both on Blog Talk Radio. And also on iTunes, you can download them for free. You can subscribe and just get them sent to you, or you can just download them and listen to them whenever you want. So that's what we're all about. Now let's talk a little bit about what our guest is all about, Laura Berman Fortang, Fortgang. Um, You know, in this day and age, uh, a lot of people are changing careers, changing life directions, and life is moving so swiftly that a lot of times, People aren't sure how what they can do. They get frozen. They get afraid. They're not sure how they can kind of reinvent themselves, whether you're uh, a millennial getting started in the workforce where there's not a lot of jobs there. They're getting taken advantage of as unpaid or lowly paid interns with no benefits. And you've got uh, a lot of people in the middle who are kind of sitting at their desk, clattering on their uh, computer keyboards and kind of disgruntled. And then you've got some senior management people and some uh, more senior people who are getting phased out. And uh, they get to a certain point where like, wow, what do I do now? Maybe I was president like myself. I was president of an ad agency two years ago, and I was forced to reinvent myself. And 
not only do I have lots of business in my marketing and advertising from my marketing advertising background, but my whole guys guys brand and all the pieces of the platform are moving together very nicely. But it hasn't been easy, and there's a lot of tough decisions you have to make. So you really have to know what you want, who you are, what you don't like, what drives your passion, and how to get there. And it's really difficult for some people because a lot of people are strapped. They have a bunch of kids. They have a mortgage. They have to you know, kind of make their way. They're living day to day. They don't have a lot of savings. So one of the great things uh, Laura uh, has done is she's giving kind of a path to people to in a 90-day period, how to kind of shift the gears, do a self-assessment, and get yourself pointed in the right direction and, and to get yourself going. And uh, the book's really fantastic. It's got, it's got, you know, how to deal with car insurance and if you should buy your own, everything from that to, like, writing, uh, writing your own fiction, um, how to deal with when you're not ready, uh, keys to money management, and uh, it's really just groundbreaking. And the book's been around for 10 years and it's updated. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Laura. Um, her book, again, is Now What? 90 Days to a New Life Direction. Um, what am I meant to do with my life? And this new edition has 10 years of additional client experience, reports from 500 coaches worldwide, uh, new stories and modern-day dilemmas addressed, QR codes and additional interactive material, Laura's nationally renowned speaker, life coach, career strategist. She's helped individuals, small businesses, corporations forge new directions and, and weather the changes that we have in, mo- in the modern world in our culture. Uh, she's a recent HuffPost blogger, like myself, a media perennial, appearing on Oprah, various morning shows, CNN, MSNBC, and many print publications. And she lives in lovely Montclair, New Jersey, which is a a great, great little town. So uh, let's bring her on right now. Good evening, Laura. Hey. Welcome to Guys hey. Guys Radio. Thank you. Thanks <laughs> for having me. Well, uh, I, I have to say your book is fantastic, and it's kind of the, the one of the first, if not the first of a kind. Could you tell us a little bit about you know your journey, what you were doing before you uh, decided to write this book and your other books, and, um, and uh, what was your inspiration? Sure. Um, well, this book, Now What, 90 Days to New Life Direction, <clears throat> came uh, directly as a correlation of the events of 9-11. So I had kind of been discovered to write my first book. It wasn't something I had necessarily gotten an agent or set out to do. Uh, then my second book I did because I wanted to just prove to myself that it wasn't a fluke that I got the first one. And then I just decided, eh, that's it. I I did it, been there, done that, don't need to do this anymore. And right before 9-11, I thought to myself, well, you know, when I started speaking and doing the books and stuff, I I had less clients because I was too busy. And I said, yeah, I'm going to fill up my practice again. And not, but six weeks later, all my travel work went away. All the speaking engagements went away. Many conferences went out of business after 9-11. And I I had all these people that were showing up within four days of 9-11, panicked almost, like life's too short, anything can happen, I've got to take the back burner dream, put it on the front burner, I haven't been happy in a long time. And I knew that I could promise people 90 days of my attention, just waiting for my travel work to come back. And I just started working with people to figure out what they wanted to do. And funny enough, one day my old 
my agent came around and was like, hey, what have you been up to? I said, you wouldn't believe it. I'm working with people for 90 days. In the first 45 days, they're figuring out what they want to do. And in the second 45 days, we're kind of making a plan and a, and a you know a strategy to get there. And she said, wow, that sounds like a book. So that's how now what 90 Days to New Life Direction got born. And I rallied my publisher. It never went off the market in 10 years, but I wanted to – you know, add 10 more years of experience. And I've now coached, um, I mean, besides who I've coached personally, I have 500 coaches who I've trained to use the program. And so I have lots of stories from them. And like you mentioned to your audience, I wanted to bring it into the 21st century with some QR codes and videos and other materials that are not in the book, but you can go get them because you have your QR code. So it was a lot of fun. And Dree kind of follows along with this book in the sense that I set out to be an actor after college because my parents wouldn't allow me to study acting. And so I was like, fine, I'll get my degree and off I go. And after about 10 years of that, I just was not happy. You know, it's like I was still waiting on tables. It could be a long way away before I ever made Broadway. So I decided, I didn't decide. I kind of just had this intuitive inkling to call an old acting mentor of mine, and he had become a coach. And I'd never heard of such a thing, but he thought he could help me figure out what I wanted to do with my life. So I was a client first and just took off like a shot, and the rest is history. Well, that's a great story. At least story. if you read the back um, of the book cover, then it's history. <laughs> <laughs> now, what is the toughest thing for somebody, you know, uh, for somebody to kind of uh, change their life direction in 90 days? What's the number one uh, hurdle that you find that people have to face and get around or over? Well, one of the biggest hurdles is that most people come to the process or come to, you know, some kind of thinking about what would they do next, um, worried about money which is a very real concern for a lot of people, you know, like I can't quit or I, you know, I'm not qualified to do something else. They, we get caught up in all the logical, very logical reasons why it's not a good idea. However, um, sorry, in a time where, you know, the rules have not stayed the same and you were saying, you know, two years ago you're in an advertising agency and some businesses are just, disappearing completely. Nothing makes sense anymore. So why are we continuing to attempt to use the old ways of doing things? You know, rewrite that resume. Be better at how you dress for success. Be better online on how you find a job. That's not it. What I'm finding working for people is really getting truthful about what you want and starting to make inroads in that direction. And for a lot of people, it's picking up something they left behind a long time ago, not that you are going to, you know, dust it off and do exactly the same thing, but I call it like in reinterpreting the old dreams, you know, like we, like for me, when I'm being an actor, you know, I, I want to be on Broadway. That's the dream. But what I discovered 10 years after I left show business was that the real reason I wanted to be an actor was because I wanted to impact people and make them think and make them be inspired to change something in their life because they came to the theater. Now that, piece, you know, I had in my mind the eggshell of, of Broadway star, like this thing that had no flexibility. But when you open that up, you realize, wait a minute, what I wanted out of being on stage was making people think and move to action. And I do that now. So clients, 
I'm looking for something from the past that needs to be reinterpreted, married with today's skill set to create a new chapter. And most of us are not trained to do that. That's why we don't do it on our own. We think, well, my resume and how do I change my resume and I'm not qualified to do that next thing. And we're just sort of caged in by the old ways of doing things. Now, you say that um, there are three blocks to, ca- to clarity that, uh, or for people to see the forest through the trees that people run into usually. What, what are those three blocks? The three blocks to clarity, the first one is being better educated about what you don't want than what you do want. So if anyone has a, a friend who's always complaining or you're the friend who's always complaining and you haven't done anything about it, you're in bed with the problem and you you don't have the vision to see through it. And just an easy way to deal with that is to write down everything you hate. I can't stand my boss. I can't stand my commute. I hate the people, whatever. And then on the other side of the piece of paper, there is something you want. If you hate your boss, then what do you want? What do you want from a boss? Somebody who respects me, somebody who gives me credit. All right, so see, you do know what you want. But we spend so much time repeating and repeating and repeating what we can't stand that we can't really see our way to anything we do want. So that's the first block to clarity. The second one is identity. I mean, I've people will say, you know, but I'm a lawyer, I can't do that, or I'm a white-collar executive, I can't do that, or I'm just a mom, I, I can't do that. Um, we cling to certain identities, whether it's because we've invested a lot of time in them or we have a lot of accomplishments in them or that's what our family has expected of us for a long time, and people don't realize that that um, lock into an identity doesn't allow them to see other possibilities for themselves. Um, and the third block to clarity is, you know, our own beliefs. You know, I'm too old. I can't make a change. I don't have enough money. You know, just we have plenty of evidence to back up our fears. But when you have to reinvent, you need to not invest in the fear. You need to invest in what's possible. And that's where this book or a coach comes in. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of my friends, you know, they're they're they've all made made out well and they make good money and they're still in their corporate careers yet they uh, I've heard a couple of guys say you know I didn't accept the package because I don't know what else I would do and then I've got another friend and he makes a lot of money and he's like I don't want to do what I'm doing I you know I want to have my own business I want to do this or do that and um, it's it seems like it's tough for uh, and a lot of people get set in their ways so what do you do you find that um, what are the biggest challenges for more senior people, and I don't mean senior being like in their 70s or something, but you know, senior executives, people who are in that transitioning portion of their career, maybe between you know the mid 50s and mid 60s, and they you know they don't want to retire and just play golf or whatever. They want to get into something new, maybe follow a passion. Like for instance, I have a friend; he's done very well in reinsurance, and you know he's really into wines, and he's done a lot of research on it. And I asked him like, well, what type of wine would you want to you know uh, market and he got right into it. He knew how, something from a high altitude with this type of grid. He knew everything about it, but he didn't really. He hadn't thought through how to get started. So how do you? And I'm sure you deal with a lot of people like that. How do you kind of shape them, help them shape their thinking, and point them in the right direction? Well, I always recommend that people speak to people that have done sim- something similar. You know, like what nothing makes it possible more quickly than seeing that somebody else did it, (laughs) you know, 
Or if you have some incredible idea that no one else has ever done, just to know that there are other incredible ideas out there that were first-timers too. So the best thing is to do research. I mean, it's not rocket science to say, you know, talk to people in a similar field or in that field, talk to other people who went into their own business um, or whatever it is that you're interested in. And I find it uncanny how many times people will just start making these inroads, networking, and end up with an opportunity, whether they intended to or not, whether they just, you know, truly were just looking for information. Um, and to me, it's one of the indicators that you're on the right track is if you start probing and, you know, one one door opens and another door opens and another door opens. And, um, you know, sometimes the door is closed and you have to make another choice. But um, just getting started, like one, my motto is one thing a day, one phone call a day, one hour researching on the Internet a day. And, um, you know, just start, just start. How do you convince people who've made a lot of money and maybe they're getting, you know, phased out or whatever, and they're going to be looking at, geez, you know, uh, you know, actually, when I came out of my last business full-time, which was president of an ad agency, I thought the phone would be ringing off the hook, and, and, and it wasn't. And it, in the industry, it's really, a lot of it is age-related, and, uh, you know, I had to, I, I fortunately, I had been kind of building my own personal brand the last couple of years while I was working corporately. Um, how, how, what, what advice do you give to people who are still working in their corporate job, but want to kind of transcend transition out of it and knowing that, you know, the clock's ticking and that at some point they're going to have to take the package or whatever. What, what do you, what do you tell them to do in terms of uh, making the transition less painful, particularly from an economic standpoint, because, you know, they're going to go from making maybe $400,000 a year to zero and then building their way back up again, where they may, may end up having a $4 million brand. Who knows? Right. Well, I mean, finances always have a lot to do with it, of course. So if, you know, if you've set yourself up well financially, the way to look at it is not, um, you know, oh my God, I'm going to go to zero. It's saying, how much am I willing to invest in this new future mm-hmm. that I'm creating? So it's a different perspective when you say, oh, I'm going to go without an income versus saying, okay, I'm taking $200,000 or whatever it may be, and I'm going to invest in this next step. And the point of any investment is to make it back and then some. Um, I find that helps people get unstuck a lot to look at it as an investment and not a period of time where you're not doing anything or not making any money. Um, If you're not financially able to finance your own transition, um, you know, a package is a great great thing because that does buy you some time. And best of all is if you can somehow cross over while still employed, um, you know, start making inroads into the next thing so you're kind of, you know, just – jumping to the next thing without having a gap. Um, but you said it well when you said, you know, then maybe you will recoup that 400000 a year or end up making $4 million. Who knows? And that's part of what stops people, too, is we just can't imagine, you know, what's beyond that time when we're struggling or we're, you know, putting time in to build something. Um, I, I often get the image of a trapeze. You know, it's like you, you're holding on to the trapeze and you have to let go to get to the next rung. Um, and you'll recover. And so people often 
don't think ahead enough to say, okay, if I take this time, if I take this amount of money and invest, then in time I should be way better off or should at least making the same income. We just mm-hmm. look at the abyss and we stop ourselves because, well, there's nothing. So it's either you yeah, already that's... financially put yourself there or you need to somehow decide how you're going to in, um, finance the gap. How how important is it to uh, for these individuals when they're making the transition from whatever it is, they might be mid-career or whatever, to leverage the skills that they have built up over the years into their new career choice. Like, for instance, you were in acting, and now you, you in, in a sense, you do some, you're communicating, and you're communicating on a different platform, but you're still communicating and using a lot of skills, I'm sure, you learned from the presentation and being in front of people from acting. Uh, from what I did from my advertising career, I you know, used my marketing and advertising uh, brand building acumen to kind of build a platform, a unique platform for my quote-unquote guys guy brand, and uh, and it's and it's really helped me because uh, diving off the deep end and saying like I want to raise sheep, you know, I think I'd still use my marketing and advertising background to brand the type of sheep or whatever. But how important is that for individuals to not just throw out the baby with the bathwater when they make their new direction, their 90-day new direction shift? Or is it? I mean, some people are ready to shed the past, you know, or let's say they were just so good at something that they stayed with it and they stayed with it and they stayed with it because they invested so much and did well in it. But just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's going to be satisfying forever. So sometimes it is about shedding it and other times it's about leveraging it but you know as you said no one was calling you (laughs) you know to be their next president of their ad agency for whatever reason and that's what a lot of people are finding is just like the the world moves very fast there there's it's really hard to get people's attention so um you know how long are you going to wait around for the phone to ring you have to create your own luck so you're absolutely leveraging your past experience, but not there's no time to rest on your laurels from that past experience, if that makes sense. Uh, you you have some uh, success stories uh, you write about in your book, and to me, the one that I think our listeners can re- relate to from a uh, aspirational standpoint would be this mid-level manager who became head of an $800 million company. Yeah, and let's let's correct that because you got an early version of the book. It was a typo. It's a hundred million, which is still pretty big. Okay, um, it's going <laughs> to be it's on its way to being corrected. But yes, from middle management to CEO of a hundred million dollar company, that is an incredible story. And certainly, in my twenty three years, I have a, you know a few highlights that are incredible stories, and the rest are just really nice stories. Um, but in this case, what I think is interesting to anyone who's listening is obviously you don't go from a middle manager to a CEO. So how did this happen to this guy? And he's still hanging in there and and learning by the seat of his pants, but doing very well, big learning curve. He um, had come 
to work with me to figure out what he wanted to do with his life. I worked on the Now What program. And what he saw was that there wasn't the upward mobility at his company for what he wanted to do. He discovered through our process that he really cared more about making a a difference with people than he did about making a difference with the product that he was selling. He liked. He wanted to be on the training and development side, and there wasn't really an opportunity for him to do that at his current company. So when we had that discovery that you know that's the direction he wants to go to, he wants to be in training and development. He really would like to be somewhere where there was more nature around him. He loves being in the great outdoors, and he was in the Atlanta area. There's no ocean. There's not a lot of mountains. So um, keep that in my mind as I tell you the rest of the story. And so we parted ways for about a year because he knew what he wanted to do, and he was setting off networking, meeting people. I knew some people he could talk to in the training and development field. The next time I catch up with him, he's in this job. And I'm like, how did this happen? And he said that he was so psyched about talking about corporate culture that he um, got asked by this vendor of his to come speak because he's so, you know, so interested and interesting about talking about culture and how to work together. So he spoke over lunch uh, at their company just as a favor. And lo and behold, they were looking for a CEO, and they kind of brought him there under false pretenses to come speak and said, you know, we really think we need someone like you at the helm because what we're missing is a culture that um, is cohesive and can work together. So he accepted the job because it was just so crazy um, and it moved him to Washington State, where he's completely out in nature um, and enjoying that. And, you know, I won't lie to you. I mean, it's been a, a steep learning curve curve for him. But he is really starting to make an impact the way he wanted to on the culture, on the training side of people, at the same time, you know, well-versed in how to run a big business. And he had a major um, hiccup, not not long after he took um, the role in that the industry he was in went through a huge crisis with a lot of their immigrant workers being uh, deported. So they lost their workforce, and he survived that, and the company's still profitable. So, yep, big learning curve, but, you know, probably, you know, four or five times his salary, if not more, than when he was a middle manager and um, a whole new lifestyle. So, yeah, all from deciding what he really felt he was built to do, and sharing that. It wasn't even about the resume. It wasn't about how many networking things he went to. It was like living the thing that he wanted to make a difference in, and it attracted this opportunity. That's a great story. That's good to hear. Now, there's a good section of the book up front about really having the individual who's taking part in the program really break down and take a look, a real deep dive inside of themselves as to who they are how they tick and kind of what they don't like, what they like. Um, and then you, you you kind of paraphrase some of that, calling it writing your own fiction. Could you talk to us a little bit about why uh, part of the, the first part of the program is so uh, in, critical and also what writing your own fiction means? Sure. The first 45 days is really quite exploratory, um, you know, so people need to have the patience with a process. You know, it's like, where is this getting me? Trust me, it's getting you somewhere. So the exploratory nature in the beginning, uh, and we don't look at your resume. We, I have people look at their life story and interpret things from their life story that helps them understand the choices they've made in the past and how they're going to make the choices in the future. Then when we get to the part about fiction, that's Chapter 9, 
Um, and the name of that chapter is, you know, art, life often imitates art instead of the other way around. Um, we say art imitates life. But I have people write five fictitious scenarios on how their new direction could come to be. And when you allow people to just riff, you know, just use their imagination, they're not engaging the logical left brain that says, no, you can't do that or that can't happen that way. They have permission to just make it up. And and I have them do do it as outrageously as they can. And the result of that is not that we're going to run off and follow that exact plan, but we look to see if there's anything usable in the fiction that might become part of a more linear or strategic plan, but also to see if there's any any message from the fiction. Like in the, in the book, I write about a woman whose fiction was about being at a blackjack table and somebody seeing how she played the game and giving her money to invest and saying, you know, if you win – if you double my money, I'll give you a job as my head of HR, which is something that she wanted to do. And through the fiction, you know, that's what happened. And what we gleaned from that fiction was that she just she needed to take more risks. That would that's what it ended up meaning to her, and that's what she did to success. But um, so the fiction, you need to write it completely, abandoning yourself to the fiction mode, and then we kind of mine it to see if your intuition was speaking to you through the creativity, because I say that fiction is the tip of the iceberg of intuition, that your creativity and your intuition is trying to speak to us all the time, but part of why things don't work for us in our current times is because we're not respecting that. You know, We think we still have to do it the old way. Um, but anyway, that's what the fiction exercise is for. Okay. Um you talk about at a certain point for some people uh, that the I put this in quotes here not being ready. Uh, what do you what do you mean where certain people uh, are not about their not being ready for the transition? Well, sometimes people come to you know everyone has a different version of now what in their life, but um, sometimes people will come to it because it is a career transition program and say you know I'm going to change my career. That's what's wrong. And sometimes we find out that, you know, there's something else that needs to be taken care of first. You know, maybe you're considering leaving a marriage and that really is going to make a difference to what you end up doing for a living. So that may need to be taken care of first. Or maybe there's a health issue or maybe there's an addiction issue. Um, Or maybe there's, you know, you really need to take care of an elder family person for a year before you can really focus on your life and you just need to coast for another year. So sometimes they're not, people aren't ready that way and other times um it, it comes down to you know are you willing to do the work you know are you willing to make some scary phone calls are you willing to research opportunities uh, are you willing to write me your life story so we can look at it and most of the time um i mean i'd say only 10 percent of the time or less do people not succeed with the program and and usually it's not because they're not going to do the work because people come ready to do the work but it's because they discover that their now what was really something else they needed to take care of. Okay. This is uh, Robert Manny, your host, Guys Guys Radio. Uh, our guest is Laura Berman, Fourth Gang, and her book is 90, Now What? 90 Days to a New Life Direction. Um, one of the other areas that I found very intriguing about the book and very relevant is uh, your section on keys to money management. And I guess most people who are going to shift directions are going to have to really look closely at uh, their 
behavioral patterns in terms of how they manage money and how they're going to need to manage their money going forward. Could you elaborate a little bit on that, Laura? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's most people are afraid of the money thing from the get-go. So um, anyone who picks up the book, which, by the way, you can get on any of the outlets out there, but if you go to nowwhatcoaching.com, I still have some special things going on and bonuses. So you'd want to go to nowwhatcoaching.com. But you'll see when you pick up the book that Chapter 8 is the money chapter, not Chapter (laughs) 1, because (laughs) I want you to be so clear on your direction and so clear on who you need to be to be happy um, that you're not going to let money stand in the way. So, you know, it's not what you do for a living that's going to make you happy. It's who you get to be while you're doing it. And once you have those discoveries, you know, then I dare you to let money get in the way. I mean, I've had I had one person take as long as 10 years to make the transition, but most people make it in one to three. And so the money section, it's not rocket science. I mean, we all know how to lose weight and we all know how to deal with our money, right? Lose weight, eat less, exercise more. Money, spend less than you make. Very easy. But most people are afraid to look, you know, because they're like, oh, but it's so bad. I haven't been good, I, whatever. And most of the time, it's not as bad as you think. You just knowledge is power when it comes to money. Uh, knowing how much money you have, how much you can invest in yourself, knowing how much you need to make, um, the you know those those need to be faced. Um, and like I said, some people it may take a little longer, but um, once you see what that carrot is dangling in front of you, most people will do what it takes, and the book will guide you in the money section as well. Okay. Uh, You also talk about uh, moonlighting for transition, and I think this is really important uh, to, I guess, help people kind of uh, take baby steps in making their transition to start before the transition is actually made. Could you talk about that a little bit for our listeners, Laura? Um, Sure. I mean, it's not always – there aren't always opportunities to moonlight, um, but if you're going to start a new venture or a new business – See if you can, you know, do it in a small way first or if there's someone else you could work for to learn a business or, um, you know, you're thinking of changing altogether. Like um, I have somebody who works in banking, um, not at a very high level, but someone who works in banking, and she thinks she wants to own a bed and breakfast. That's a huge undertaking. So she's going to go – spend a few weekends traveling up to one where she's created a relationship with an owner and, um, you know, really understand the business in and out. That's that's a form of moonlighting or maybe volunteering, right? So you want to give yourself the opportunity to, to try something, um, you know, and if you're going to try something home-based that's a solopreneurship, um, you know, you, your nights and weekends, some people might miss hanging out with you, but that's a perfect way to make the transition too is to start before you let go of the day job so to speak. You can say I learned that in my acting years, right? Never give up your day job. <laughs> yeah. Um you also talk about uh reality checks. And I think that's also a very important notion where people have to be, you know, they have to dream and they have to aspire and they have to do the work, but they have to be realistic about uh uh you know, what they can do, when they can do it, and how they can do it. Could you tell us a little bit about that, Laura? I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, reality checks. It's a, 
Oh, the reality check. Okay, the reality check conversation. Um, I always send I always send people out to speak to somebody else, as I said earlier, that's done something like what they want to do or exactly what they want to do. Because sometimes the fantasy of what we think we want to do is far more attractive than the reality. You know, so mm-hmm. just like this example with the with the bed and breakfast, like, oh, it sounds so great, so romantic, you know, have a little inn and have people in and it's so cozy and wonderful. And then when you go and really find out that you're going to work every day and every night, 24-7, you've got to make sure that's really what you can handle and what you want. So the reality check is just that, you know, really see what you can expect, what it's going to take, and do you really see yourself doing it once you've loved the fantasy and you're into the reality of it? And so you've been doing this. The book came out. This is your uh, kind of seminal book, I guess. You have a, a number of other excellent books, but this came out about you know 2004, I think it came out. Um, how has, in your opinion, how have things changed? Uh, just in the people you see, the the kind of mindset of the culture and and in the coaching profession because you were a leader and the coaching profession has exploded. So how have your consumers and the culture changed over that time and then how has your profession changed? Well, certainly people are more educated. Um, They're they're more savvy consumer. Um, And that's good for the industry and that's, that's, that's good for me. I'm happy about that. Um, what there, there has been a change, in my opinion, about what people are looking for, at least in the trajectory of my work. Like for 23 years, I've seen an arc of change. Like in the beginning, in the early 90s, people wanted to make more money and get ahead. You know, that's what they hired me for. In the mid 90s, when the the Clinton era, when there was lots of money moving around. Um, people work-life balance was the buzz. People just wanted to design their life because they could hop anywhere and work anywhere and get all kinds of perks. And so work-life balance was the buzz. And then, then we hit the 9/11, and there came a big shift and an accelerated change that people wanted to do something more meaningful. And that continues to be true. Um, with another big hiccup in 2008, 2009, with the um, recession and a lot of industries disappearing and people needing to reinvent altogether. So I've seen a sense of urgency actually over the years. Um, and in terms of my profession, yes, it has exploded. In the beginning, I had to explain, you know, people like soccer mom, what are you talking about, coach? What do you mean? You know, so I had the learning, I had to educate people, I had that curve of educating people. And now um, the onus is to uh, stand out among the crowd. I mean, there's, it is, anyone can become a coach, which is a shame, but the public has gotten more savvy and they know to ask if you've been trained and they know to ask, um, you know, if you have any kind of credential. And I was one of the first founders of the International Coach Federation, which exists to put ethics and standards and some kind of credentialing in place. And now is the body that many of the universities who've created coaching programs have gone to to create their programs based on the competencies of the International Coach Federation. So it's it's like in, in 80 countries and grown exponentially. And, um, you know, but I, I mean, I, I'm not daunted by that. I think it's great. And I love seeing that the professionalism keeps on being pushed forward. Um, and, you know, even though 
when it comes to life coaching, I've yet to see a good example of life coaching on TV. If if they put it into a script on Law & Order or they put it into a script in any kind of show, the life coach is always some horrific person. That you, you know, mm-hmm. they, yeah. they always write it as something like, oh, no, no, I don't want people to think that's what coaching is. But um, but that's okay, you know. We have to take our licks. Um, but, you know, I hope the profession keeps growing strong. I think it came out of the need for um, objective people be- outside of your world because we don't have mentors really anymore. People move from company to company too quickly to have a longstanding mentor relationship. Um, you know, families don't live together as in other cultures. The elders are always around to advise. That's not what we do in America. And also just the rules of work have just keep changing and changing and changing. And I think, um, you know, therapy is not the place to work out some of these work things unless it, you're repeating relationship patterns and then you have to look at that in a therapy scenario. So, you know, coaching becomes a very worthy alternative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the tenets that you talk about to keys to success. I wonder if you could, if I could just read these off to you and you tell us um, kind of which is the most important or uh, break down barriers to clarity, releasing limiting beliefs, learn how the past holds the key to the future, find a sense of purpose, determine your criteria for happiness at work, face money obstacles head on and honor and make sense of your intuition. Great advice. Is there any that really stand out here that you need to uh, uh, provide context for, or are those the building blocks? Um, those are the building blocks. Um, I love talking about purpose because um, when we know why we're doing something or why we're here on the planet, <laughs> it, all, it all gives us uh, more ease. We don't have that existential angst for those people that feel that. Mm-hmm. Um but I also like people to hear that purpose isn't some big grand thing that we plan and we make some huge impact on the world. It's really that each of us kind of has an imprint that is truly us kind of, you know, it just comes with us. We just weren't given a manual to know what it is. And once we discover what it is we can contribute, um, it that's where the meaning comes from. And also it's exactly what brings you luck and opportunity. Um, yeah, but I think people sometimes suffer from what I call the Mother Teresa syndrome. Like, I have to do something big like Mother Teresa or I don't have a purpose. And <laughs> I will just quote Mother Teresa because she herself said, you know, we don't do great things. We do small things with great love. And that's what purpose is. So you just be you and have make sure you're being you and expressing your gift. And um and if you mind that, you don't know what ripple effect you're going to have that could lead to greatness, but that's not the point. Um, I think a lot of people get stuck up on the purpose conversation because it has to be great, and we're too afraid to look at that. Got it. Now, you have some other books. You have you know, Living Your Best Life, The Little Book on Meaning, The Prosperity Principles, and Take Yourself to the Top. Could you tell everybody about where they can find, to, where they can learn more about you, Laura, uh, where they can get your books and uh, what else? What else they need to know about uh, the new version of now? What? Sure. Um, you can find all these books on your electronic, your favorite online bookstore. Whether you're a Barnes and Noble person, Amazon, or an independent, um, some of them are still in stores. It depends. Um, the stores carry less and less of older books, and they always will have the newest and latest things there. But the new now what book 
should be around. Um, so you want to either go to those or you can go to nowwhatcoaching.com to learn more about the Now What book, 10th anniversary edition, brand new, spanking new and beautiful. Um, the all, And anything else you want to know about me is that is there or at lauraburmanfortgang.com. So if you can remember that mouthful, lauraburmanfortgang.com. And take yourself to the top. 1998, still on the market. That's a good sign. That was my most <laughs> corporate book. Living Your Best Life was my second book. Just happened to be named the same as the Oprah thing. I named mine first. Um, that's a, you know a self-help tome about finding your way, but not specifically career. Now What was the third book, which is now back. Um, the fourth book, The Little Book on Meaning, is personally my favorite because it's most personal, and it came out of me going through an interface seminary ordination, a two-year program, and I came out of it like, am I starting a church? No, I don't think so. I'm going to write a book on meaning and why people feel they can't find meaning in their life. That's a little book on meaning. And the fifth one is actually called The Prosperity Plan, which is another typo on the back of the book cover, which is being corrected. It's not Prosperity Principles. It's Prosperity Plan. And um, and then I actually just self-published a book called Ask new questions, get better results. And you can find that on my website too. So, But I really want you to go to nowwhatcoaching.com and take advantage of this new and improved product. And especially if you or anyone in your life hates their job, we all know somebody who hates their job, um, this is the gift you want to give them for the spring. <laughs> and there you can still find bonuses and an idea of where I'll be speaking in the next couple of months if you want to come out. Oh, fantastic. Well, Laura, you've been a wonderful guest, and uh, I think your book's fantastic, and I think the work you're doing is is transformative, and uh, you're a, a leader in the coaching field and, and inspiring people, and I, I'm so thrilled that I can be a part of getting the word out on you and your books and your work. So thanks so much for being a guest on Guys Guys Radio, and uh, we look forward. Hopefully, we'll get you back here again at some point, but... Uh, Fantastic work, and congratulations, and thanks so much for being our guest. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Good night, everybody. Okay, and that's our show that's for our this show. evening, folks. Um, again, you know, I'm really thrilled that I can, uh, you know, get the word out there for people who are doing great work like uh, Laura Berman, Fort Gang, and, uh, and it's just a pleasure to be able to, uh, you know, spread some positivity in this ever-changing, wild, crazy, kooky world where there's so much toxicity going on right now. But, uh, you know, there are people who are, who are playing the game the right way, and uh, we want to support them. So uh, so thank you for listening, and thank you for being part of Guys Guys Radio. Next week, we switch gears. Next Wednesday, my special guest is Scott Swaney, and he is the fantasy sports Sherpa. And we're going to talk about the upcoming Major League Baseball season and talk about uh, it from a fantasy perspective. So he'll be here next Wednesday at 7 p.m. And uh, we should have a lot of fun with that. It's one of my favorite uh, shows of the year. So anyhow, that's our show for this evening, Wednesday, March 18th. All the best to my listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. And uh, remember, uh, better men, better world, and uh, guys, guys, finish first.